Here we are at Rally Day. Church school kicks off as it did this morning. New classes, new opportunities for growth, fellowship, connections, care. Worship returns to 11 o'clock. That means some of you can actually make it. I'm not calling any names. <laughs> the choir is back. How wonderful is it to have the choir back offering their gifts, their energy, their voices to enrich our worship of God. We have other opportunities, as you've heard about, second course, other things that engage us, connect us, grow our faith as we move into, the, into this season. But here's a question. Are we, the congregation gathered, mostly good people who come to church to be better people? Are we here so that Christian faith can mostly just help us a little bit along the way? I remember a wonderful quote from one of my mentors, William Sloan Coffin. This is what he says. It's often said that the church is a crutch. Of course it's a crutch. But what makes you think you don't limp? We need a crutch for our limp. Community. Worship that focuses our hearts on God. A place to serve. A place from which to serve the world. We need the crutch, perhaps. Yet, remember, we're Presbyterians. Our tradition affirms very well and very strongly that we are not just good people who need to be encouraged to be a little bit better. It's way more complicated than that. Sin is so pervasive that it touches every aspect of life and the world. We're people affected by sin, infested with sin with selfishness, with sin and selfishness that remain pervasive in our lives and in our culture. So the journey of faith is not just a little bit of an effort so that we can live better. The journey of faith is about finding life with God, rooting our lives in God, God who creates, God who claims, God who calls, God who journeys with us. Ours is a dynamic life of striving as we move through the seasons and the years. Our striving is to trust God with our lives and serve God. That means through our failings and through our festivities, through our sins and through our successes. Ours is a dynamic life of living in God's care and seeking to be God's faithful people from birth to death, through changes, through challenges, finally and always see we belong to God. That's why we seek life together in church, in community, in God's life and care. We're God's people, and we want and we need to become more and more enfolded into God's care and into God's service. Okay? If you've been around this church for a while, you've probably learned that I have a little bit of an affection for the prophet Jeremiah. I find myself both convicted and inspired by Jeremiah. Jeremiah helps me 
with this dynamic journey of life and faith with God. Our passage today is a good one. It comes from Jeremiah 18. The passage offers a wonderful analogy. Ginger's already alluded to it. An analogy that helps us think about our lives. So listen, Jeremiah 18. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, working on his wheel. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel as seemed good to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as this potter has done, says the Lord? Just like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At one moment I may declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it. But if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will change my mind about the disaster that I intended to bring on it. And at another moment I may declare concerning a a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it. For if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will change my mind about the good that I had intended to do to it. Now, therefore, say to the people of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord, Look, I am a potter shaping evil against you and devising a plan against you. Turn now, all of you, from your evil way and amend your ways and your doings. This is the word of the Lord. So this wonderful analogy from Jeremiah about the potter and the clay is another attempt by the prophet to help the people and help us understand the fundamental message. God has, is not some concept to be left off on the periphery. Life and faith are not just about helping people, good people, be a little bit better. God, the God of the universe, the God of the scriptures, the God who knows us and never leaves us, rules and reigns in the whole world. Our lives are always related to God not just a little bit, but significantly. We're not ever meant to be people who, whose lives are mostly lived in the world with a little bit of faith. We are meant to be people whose lives are intricately, fundamentally, foundationally, constantly amended and enfolded into life with God. We're not people who live materially and just add a little bit of spiritual life to it, We're people who actually belong to God. This is our identity. Who God is, what God says, and what God expects fundamentally is meant to shape us. This is Jeremiah's main point, page after page. This is also the primary message of the whole Bible. Jeremiah the prophet, you might recall from my preaching on it through the years, has an extreme urgency about his message and his need for conveying this. In his life, in his times, around 600 B.C., God's people were about to be swallowed up and crushed by the Babylonian 
empire. God's people were in trouble. Here's how one commentator puts it. The word Jeremiad means a doleful and thunderous denunciation, and its derivation is no mystery. Jeremiah. There was nothing in need of denunciation that Jeremiah didn't denounce. He denounced the king and the clergy. He denounced recreational sex and extramarital jamborees. He denounced the rich for exploiting the poor. He denounced the poor for deserving no better. He denounced the way every new God that came sniffing around had them all after him like so many dogs in heat. And right at the very gates of the temple, he told them that if they thought God was impressed by all of this mumbo-jumbo that went on in there, they ought to have their heads examined. Jeremiah also said, when some of them took to indulging in a little human sacrifice on the side, he appeared with, with a clay pot, which he smashed into smithereens to show what God planned to do to them as soon as he got around to it. But the people didn't get it. And when he told them that the Babylonians were going to come in and rip them to shreds as they richly deserved, they worked him over and they threw Jeremiah in jail. And when the Babylonians did come in and not only ripped them to shreds, but tore their precious temple down and ran off with their expensive hardware, Jeremiah told them that since it was God's judgment upon them, they better submit to it or else whereupon they threw him into an open cistern that happened to be handy. Luckily, the cistern had no water in it, but Jeremiah sank into the muck up to his armpits, and, they, and he stayed there until an Ethiopian eunuch pulled him out with a rope. Jeremiah then told them that the only hope he saw for them was that someday God would put the law in their hearts and not just in their books but that was a long way off. You see how Jeremiah and the whole Bible actually is not just urging good people to be a little bit better. <laughs> Jeremiah affirms that God reigns. God's in charge. We're God's people and our lives, how they relate to God, matter significantly. They're to be amended constantly and folded into God, shaped like a potter, shaped with God's intentions. See, the king and the people in Jeremiah's day thought they were God's chosen ones, blessed, but they weren't living like it. They were taking their sense of chosenness and doing whatever they wanted, like living extravagantly and taking advantage of the poor and chasing after other gods, as you heard, ignoring the covenant commitments. Does that sound familiar? Does it sound familiar? They were taking their sense of establishment as God's people with land and a temple and the city, Jerusalem, and they were neglecting the widows and the orphans, and they were making a mess of worship, and they were refusing to heed the commandments that reminded them to be welcome and open and generous. So Jeremiah speaks out. He speaks out in lamentation. He speaks out in poetry. He speaks out in prose. And he speaks out in a wonderful analogy that we just read about a potter and a vessel. The message is clear. God can do to God's people whatever God wants. 
like a potter with clay. And while we might think, and we often do, we can do whatever we want, the real message is this. The real message is this. Life is to be lived with God. Before God. In God's presence. Following God's ways. Doing God's work. Living out God's intentions. Finally, God rules. That's the message. Here's another way of thinking about it. God loves all of us. Always, God loves us. Fully, God loves us. But God also loves us enough not to leave us where we are. Not to leave us where we are. And as the wonderful words of the hymn, Spirit of the Living God, remind us, Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on me, melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. This is what we ask God to do and what we seek to be about always. God is always wanting us to be shaped in faithfulness. That's the word for the day, shaped in faithfulness. God is always seeking to be shaping us. So we want to be shaped in devotion, in worship, in service. That's God's covenant people. It's not about good people, just being a little bit better. Fully shaped, foundationally shaped, not peripherally, fundamentally, not just sometimes, but always. That's why this is a good passage for Rally Day today. And we're not just beginning another program year at this church. We're also saying goodbye to Catherine who has been such a great colleague and pastor among us. This rally day brings change. It brings tears. It brings challenges for us as a congregation. But we remember we're being shaped. And Catherine is being shaped. God's not finished with us. God's not finished with Catherine. God has plans for all of us, especially as we realize that our lives are unfolded in God's life. We trust and serve God. That's what we're about. This is our foundation. This is our hope. We're also not just having another rally day. We're facing another loss, another grief, another heartache. Figuring out how do we function in this church without Ellie Bigger. She was such a faithful generous, sacrificial servant among us. She cooked so many meals, prepared so many receptions. She cooked for our walk-in ministry every month. She stocked our pantry for the walk-in ministry every month. She cared for all of us and more. But God's not finished with us. We have to trust God and we have to know that we are continually being shaped, shaped by God's loving care, especially as we each take stock and recommit and assess where are my gifts and how could I use them? Can we trust God? Can we keep seeking to respond in faith and in service? This is what God asks. This is what God expects. Our life is shaped by God. What else is going on in our lives We perhaps have struggles with some of our relationships. 
Do we hear the story here? Jeremiah's story? Do we trust ourselves? Or can we trust God? It's easy to feel like life is totally unraveling when we're filled with rage or disappointment about something happening or some other unfamiliar territory than where we find ourselves. What are we focused on? Whose are we? Who is our foundation? We find ourselves in the middle of many messy situations as we move through the seasons. We may even feel like the potter's clay that has been discarded, thrown away. We have grief. We have losses. We have discouragements. We feel burdened by what might lie ahead. And we don't know what lies ahead sometimes. We have questions. Why is this happening? And is there any point? And we may feel great despair creeping around. Yet we have to give sincere attention. What is God asking? What is God expecting of us? What does a faithful response look like? How do we trust God and how do we give our lives to God's work? Can we turn from evil and sense God remaking us? Can we trust God and trust that God loves us as we are but too much to leave us where we are. We're always being shaped, fashioned by God. That's the promise. That's the message. And what about our culture? And what about our world? My goodness. Gun violence. Fresh signs of racism. So many things generating fear. Systemic issues of oppression or exclusion. And the increasing crisis of climate change and more. And then there's leadership that either does nothing or makes it worse. Roll back regulations, clear the land, ignore the suffocating planet. Can we find ways to be more faithful? How do we be faithful? This is what Jeremiah's asking. This is what Jeremiah's urging. Faithful means rooting our lives in God's life, not just giving lip service to it. Faithful means being sincerely shaped by the love and the promises of God that are boundless and wonderful. When we trust God and we seek to serve God, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. We keep living with faith. We keep living with hope. We keep living with love. We keep striving to give our lives to justice, to peace, to light, to the coming reign of God. We stay focused. We stay engaged, shaped. We advocate. We seek to serve. Here's another quote from William Sloan Coffin. If indeed we love the Lord with all our hearts and our minds and our strength, we're going to have to stretch our hearts and open our minds and strengthen our souls, whether our years are three score and ten or not yet twenty. God cannot lodge in a narrow mind. God cannot lodge in a small heart. To accommodate God, they must be palatial. We're always being shaped by God, the potter. And the intention, according to Jeremiah, is for larger hearts, for larger souls, 
for larger minds that trust God and actually serve God. We're shaped to love God and love what God loves. Not just a little bit, but in palatial ways. We are shaped for ongoing transformation that stretches our love, our hearts, that opens our minds, that increases our souls. Church and church community help us with that. Shaped, not wallowing in selfishness and despair, but certain always of God's care and sincere in God's service. Shaped, not sitting around when God needs our energy in the world. Commitments for the coming reign of God because the world is a mess. Engaged, advocating, doing justice, loving kindness, walking humbly with God. Paul's words say it well too. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Shaped, not just a little bit, but fully, foundationally, always as God's people who are enfolded in God's care and enfolded for God's service. That's us. May it be so. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn from you, well, that is to rise. But to love and to serve in big ways, palatial ways, That is to abide forever. We seek that way. Amen.